Hey there, it's Frank Buckley. Today it's a conversation with Olympic gold medalist and reality TV star, Caitlyn Jenner. She's running for governor of California in the recall election in September. Voters will be asked two questions. One, do they want to recall Governor Gavin Newsom? And two, if he is recalled, who would they like to take his place? Caitlyn Jenner is hoping voters will choose her. I sat down with Jenner for an extensive conversation for another show I do called Inside California Politics. I co-host the program that airs on Sundays on KTLA in Southern California, Fox 5 in San Diego, Cron 4 in the San Francisco Bay Area, Fox 40 in Sacramento, and it also airs on stations in Fresno and in Bakersfield. Jenner is the most famous of the dozens of candidates running in the recall. Will that be enough? Voters will decide that in a couple of months. For now, here's my conversation with Caitlyn Jenner on Inside California Politics. Welcome to Inside California Politics. It's my pleasure to be here. Um, California Attorney General Rob Bonta announced this week that five states have been added to the list of 17 states that are banned from taxpayer-funded travel from California, in part because some of these states ban transgender athletes from playing sports. As an Olympic gold medalist, as a transgender uh, woman, what are your thoughts? Uh, What's your reaction to that? I'm not running as a trans candidate. I'm running as a person who came here 48 years ago to San Jose, California, and I've watched the decline of this state. Um, The trans issue has, it's almost like in 2016, remember it was the North Carolina bathroom issue, all of a sudden becomes this big thing. Uh, I've made, on my website, CaitlinJenner.com, you can get a more in-depth look at this, uh, which I do, Um, but the bottom line is, Uh, we need to protect women's sports, Um, and uh, I will continue to defend that. But this idea that that this this is news this week, Rob Bonta is banning five additional states. There are now 17 states that are banned from taxpayer-funded travel from California. Is that a good idea? Uh, No, I think they're making too big of an issue of it. Um, This issue will work itself out, just like all of our things. We have diversity in this country, um, and diversity is a good thing. Uh, We don't need to um, ban travel because of a diverse public. Uh, And so, no, I I am not in favor of that. Uh, I want government to stay out of this issue. Um, I think as far as trans issues, it's it's between the parents, um, uh, their doctor, and the child. Um, and let's let them deal with it, and let's keep, as best we can, politics out of this. And yet politics is part of... Unfortunately, yes. Yes, and and the transgender issue is more a part of politics than ever. The Human Rights Campaign says that in 2021, it's been a record-breaking year for anti-LGBTQ and anti-transgender legislation, as they put it, proposed in more than a dozen states. They say at least 117 bills introduced in the current uh, legislative session target the transgender community. Does that concern you? Do you agree with that characterization? And would you do anything as governor here in California related to that issue? Um, 
in California, transgender issues is a very small, small problem. I am I'm running as a Republican. I always have been on the Republican side. But I'm not your typical Republican. I'm not in that Republican box. As we think of Republicans, you know, everybody's got to be in the box, you know, in their little segment here. That's not me. I'm, I'm outside that box. I am an inclusive Republican. Um, and the reason I'm on the Republican side is because I believe in conservative economic values. I mean, it's worked every time throughout history, less taxes, less regulations, a pro-business environment. But as socially, I'm an inclusive Republican. Uh, I'm in it for all the people. So as far as trans issues, yes, I, I am going to do the best I can to make it right for everybody. I'm inclusive in that department. So um, yeah, it's, um, it's a tough question, but it's a small question. Uh, the big question, I'm standing on my back porch three years ago and I'm watching 300-foot flames come at my house. Why? Because a transformer 17 miles away in Chatsworth blew up and five hours later, six hours later, it's in my backyard. Um, where I live, uh, there was eight homes, seven, or five of them went to the ground, lives were lost, um, property was lost, uh, lives were destroyed. Those are big issues, you know. Those are the things that we have to really focus on. Um, about our electrical grid and what we can do to do a better job. Um, we had a drought this year. We are <clears throat> in for, I think, a very tough fire season in the fall. Um, and what are we gonna do about that right now? In fact, Gavin Newsom, um, uh, just over the last couple of days, uh, it's been all over the media how he misused uh, fire protection money that was supposed to go in there. Um, and then he turned around and lied about it. And those are the big issues. I mean, uh, we're being taken, the California uh, people are being taken by Sacramento for many, many years. And that's unfortunate. Um, we need to correct those problems. Uh, I'm an outsider. I don't have one favor in Sacramento, not one, to any special interest groups, nothing. You know, uh, I'm going there as an inclusive Republican Number one, try to focus on the economy. As you know, we've had 18,000 companies leave this state over the last few years. Um, it doesn't need to be that way. And why did they leave? They didn't leave because of our beaches. They didn't leave because of the weather. They didn't leave because of Yosemite. They left for one reason, and that's an overtaxed, overburdened, overregulated government. They just can't do business any here anymore. The, the Those flip, are the big questions. The flip side of that is, and I'm not going to defend uh, the, the governor or, or others, but right. uh, just to present the other argument, others have said that as businesses leave, other businesses come in, and that we are, as a result of the the boom that we're now experiencing in our economy, we have a, a massive surplus uh, in the state budget. Um, let me uh, ask. I, yes, I look at that as a massive sur uh, surplus as why did they tax the people in the first place, okay? That's what I would look at, okay? Are we overtaxing our companies? Are we overtaxing the people? Um, is that the reason why we have the massive surplus? Maybe we should have left that money in there 
their hands and businesses' hands so they can, one, stay, number two, hire, upgrade their stuff. I, that's why I've always had a very conservative approach to the economy. Let me ask you about the state budget. Um, this week, California's legislature sent, legislature sent a 2021 state budget to Governor Newsom. They've agreed on a framework for right. the budget. What aspects of it do you agree with? What would you have rejected in this budget? Well, first of all, when it comes to the budget, uh, I have had meetings on the budget, um, and that would more be determined. I mean, it's a very large budget, $260 million. But is, is there anything in it that jumps out at you that, that you say, no, I don't agree with that? My number one focus is two things. Um, to massive taxation, obviously as governor, I cannot just say, oh, we're going to lower taxes. That's a process that you have to go through. Um, and over-regulations. Uh, right now, we have 21.2 million words of regulations on the books, okay, that you and me and businesses have to follow, okay? If you read 300 words a minute, worked a 40-hour work week, it would take you three years. It's 12 times bigger than the Bible, okay? And... Number one thing that's killing the state is taxes and regulations. That would be my focus. Um, but there's nothing in that. nothing in the budget that you objected to that that was just Honestly, put out this week. Yes, I just I saw it quickly. Um, I have not gone into it deeply. Just kind of overview, looked at it. But the bigger problem is regulations. But but you, you're 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 running to be the governor of a state of 40 million people, I, I the know. world's fifth largest economy, mm -hmm. and you're saying that you haven't looked in I detail at the budget. I have been working so hard. I have had. I started this campaign about two months ago, and I haven't stopped working, uh, going around talking to people. What we need to do is we need to take a fresh look at everything, um, at our budgets. Uh, at our regulations, at our tax process. Um, uh, I'm for, it, it seems like over the last 20, 30 years, um, we've been run by the Democrats. It's, they've pretty much been in control. A few minor exceptions, but pretty much been in control. And it shows you what a one-party system can do. Um, California, it, it seems like anytime anybody goes to Sacramento, whatever legislator, um, they think their job is just make more taxes, to make more regulations. That's their job. That's why I came here. You know, you know what? I, I want to go to Sacramento to have less regulations. I want lower taxes. Okay, I don't want all of these things. I I, I would go in and there would be no increase in taxes whatsoever. Okay, that's the only thing I can do. I can veto stuff. Um, I can veto regulations. I would put together a committee to go through every regulations that we have in this state because they're killing us. Evaluate every regulation, see if it's worth it or not, get rid of it. But you haven't done that yourself yet. I have had meetings on that, but I haven't personally, yes, gone through but every you're run, you're 20... The one, you're 20, the one running wait, for no, governor. I, I'm not going to sit there for three years and read all the regulations. I had a meeting the other day on labor regulations, and the book in 2021 was 3,000 pages long of small print, okay? Uh, 19, he also had 1940, or 1956, it was 47 pages long. 
you can kind of see where we're coming, okay? This is a massive thing. What I would do, in 1973, when I drove here in my 1963 VW Bug and everything I owned in the back seat, okay? Um, and I drove into California because I wanted to go to the Golden State. I can remember when I came to the sign, welcome to California. I was like so excited. I went to San Jose. And reason I went there is because there were great athletes that lived there. And so for the next three and a half years, I trained with some of the greatest athletes in the world. Won out, won the gold, brought it back to the United States. I was the first one to put the American flag up. I brought it back to San Jose. So proud of that. Now. I'm on a different mission. I've won, run a lot of races and I know how to win. Mm -hmm. This time I want to go to Sacramento, yeah. okay? And well, I want to do the exact same thing. I've talked with all of these people and I've worked with them on all of the regulations and, and the budget and this and that. Um, I'm certainly not today going to make any decisions on that, but I want to work with the right people. I want to surround myself with the right people because we need solutions for California. and. I want to be able to find those solutions, put the right people in place. We have to turn this state around. If we don't turn the state around, we're not, honestly, we're not going to have a state any longer. Let me ask you about the, the most recent public polling. People may or may not like Caitlyn Jenner personally, but your candidacy is not taking off. The most recent public polling shows 6% of voters supporting you. You've made contradictory statements on whether or not you even voted in 2020. You've had no detailed policy proposals on how you would solve the issues of our state. People say you're not serious. Here's what Politico said about you. Quote, her utter absence of electoral experience, her rocky contradictory interviews, her flimsy policy platform, and the inauspicious polling in paltry single digits, despite her sky-high name ID, they deem her putative candidacy a cross between a cash grab scheme and a publicity stunt. Is this a cash grab scheme and a publicity stunt? I am extraordinarily serious about what I'm doing. Um, I love this state. I don't want to see it go under. I want to be an example for everybody that, you know what, no matter who you are, no matter what you've been through in your life, if you don't like what's going on, stand up, fight. And that's exactly what I'm doing. If you don't like, if you don't like what's happening, in, at your school board and what's happening in your school. Run for the school board. Get in a position where you can make changes, okay? Um, if you don't like what's happening in your town, run for the city council, run for mayor, okay? I want to be that example. And that's one of the main reasons that I'm doing this. I'm standing up. My father, my grandfather was in the dead pile in World War I and they pulled him out because they heard him moan. And, you know, he went on to live a good life. My dad stood up during World War II he, um, when he was 19 years old, World War II was breaking out. He wanted to fight. He joined the 5th Ranger Battalion. First boats on Omaha Beach. 364 guys in his division, and only 60 came back alive. In honor of my father, because if he could see what was going on, in not only just this state, but in this country right now, um, he stood up. Why can't I stand up? And well, so that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm standing, standing up. up. Standing up is one thing. And mm -hmm. just so I understand, are you standing up as an example or are you standing up expecting to win the governorship? I, I am expecting to do very, yes, very well. And I would love to win this thing. Uh, I would love to be given the opportunity to make a change. Um, actually, when I first thought about this, one of the first phone calls 
because uh, I had been approached by people to do this in the Republican Party. Um, my, one of my first phone calls was uh, to Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's a friend since 1975. And I called him up and I said, Arnold, I'm talking to these people, what do you think? And he was actually very complimentary and said, you know, it wasn't easy. Campaigning, he said, was the fun part. He goes, you go out and meeting the people and this and that. Getting up there, it's tougher. Um, uh, but you can get some things done. Um, and to be able to work with a lot of these people. He said, but overall, it was a, a very good experience. And so that was kind of on the positive side. And I still had not made up my mind. And then the final decision was two months ago, three months ago, I'm watching TV. And I'm watching what's happening at the border. And I'm looking at bad policies, horrible outcomes, people drowning, dying in there, coming across these kids in cages. It just shows you what bad policies can do. And so tell us I one said, policy that, that you, would, you would offer now that would address any of those issues you talked about. A foreign policy on immigration. Um, as governor, I would uh, finish the wall on state land where you, you can finish the wall. I think we need controlled immigration in this state. What does that mean? Uh, we need to know the people that are coming into this state. Actually, just, if, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think it's like two weeks ago, uh, the Supreme Court, 9-0, uh, uh, unanimous decision on the TAPS program, the Temporary Protected Status Program. And if you come in under that, um, you're not eligible for citizenship. To be honest with you, I think that's a very good idea. Um, if you get arrested in this state, uh, you're gone. Uh, it's like the bad people out, but the good people. I have had so many good friends and people that I know that have entered this country years and years ago, okay? They're great citizens, great people, they've raised their family, but they don't have legal status here, okay? And what should happen to them? Should they be forced to leave? I would want leave? to make sure that they stay. They're a vibrant part of our economy. They're a vibrant part of our culture. Um, and yes, they would need to, they would, I would do everything to fight that they but can stay here in this state. But isn't that a contradictory point of view to say, we're going to, we're going to accept people who are your friends who you've known for no, years? I, they're not my friends. Well, These I, are I everybody. I, I just mentioned that I've had personal contact okay. and had an opportunity to talk. But my, but I'm my not point is not about my friends. And, and, and my point that. was not to suggest that they're okay. your personal friends in that sense and that you're doing them a favor. I mean right. that people that are here have been here, have contributed to society as to society yeah. as you describe them, you Good want people. to grant them citizenship. I would like to be able to, uh, yes, they could seek legal status, yes. These are people who are here undocumented. Uh, in some cases they are, but they've been here for a long time and they're good people, they deserve the right to stay. Um, and they've kind of proved themselves. And you don't but see a contradiction? As, legal, as far as citizenship, there's a difference between legal status and citizenship, as you know. Legal status, you can stay, you can get a green card, you can work here, you can pay your taxes, okay? But as far as citizenship, that's another process. Uh, what the Supreme Court said in the TAPS program, that if you're here illegally on the TAPS program, you have to 
exit, this, exit the country, and then return legally and do it the proper way. I want to be fair to the people, the millions of people who have come to this country legally. It's, it's just not fair that it's, you know, you can just walk across the border and all of a sudden get legal status. Um, you've suggested that you'd like to cut the, the state, you, you want to cut the salaries of state uh, elected officials. Mm -hmm. You want to cut it in half. Yeah. Uh, salaries are determined by the California Citizens Compensation yes, Commission. Yes. yes. Um, you'd like to cut the the legislators uh, their average salaries, one hundred and fourteen thousand. So, would you cut that in half so they would be? Well, first of all, I would not be able to, but I certainly would encourage that. Obviously, uh, uh, there's the committee that does that. Um, but what I don't want is. It seems like as soon as they get to Sacramento, uh, they start making more laws and stuff. I, I honestly, from my standpoint, I don't want them there. You know, let's—it's a part-time job. A lot of other states, it's that way. Part-time job. They come in, they make their decisions, and they go back to their districts. Um, and I think that's a good way to do it. Um, uh, we have too many laws and too many regulations on the books. We don't need any more. So, and in some cases with laws, they agree with some and they enforce them, and others they don't agree with and they don't enforce them. Um, uh, and that's not right. Uh, it's just absolutely not right. One of the biggest issues that we're facing in the state is the issue of homelessness, as you yes. know. Um, you've said you'd be, uh, you would want to remove the restrictions that are blocking developers, charities, and others in investing in building affordable housing. Mm -hmm. um, what specific restrictions are you referring um, to? In CEQA, which is the California Environmental Quality Act, which started actually in 1970 with Ronald Reagan. He put it in. Um, and it was about to protect the environment. I am all for a healthy environment, okay? I'm, I'm all for that. And you know what? We've done a pretty good job. Um, when I moved back to Southern California back in the 70s, if you were on the 10 freeway uh, looking up to the, to the mountains in Pasadena, you couldn't even see the mountains. I don't know if you've been around that long. I have. Yes, and yeah, you couldn't see the mountains, right? <laughs> and you could see the fog going or the smog going back in there. It was, yeah. uh, it was horrible. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there was, you know, environmental every day on the news, what the air quality was and on and on and on. You know what? We've done a pretty good job. It's so much better. You can drive down the 10 and you can actually see the mountains now and you don't see that black stuff in there. A lot of people would say that's regulation that, that made that happen, I, by And the way. you know what? There are good regulations and there are not so good regulations. And so you have to evaluate those things, okay? Um, and so I'm for all of a, a clear, uh, clean environment. But what has happened is the environmentalists over the last, that's 50 years, uh, 50 years have piled more regulations on top of more regulations on top of more regulations to where today you can't build anymore. Look at our, we have the highest um, uh, real estate prices in, in the country. It just went from 700 to 800,000 for a home. You know, a condo's like $500,000. You're coming out of college, you can't even afford rent here. Okay, it's ridiculously expensive. Why? Because we can't build. It takes so long. Um, I would work to lessen the regulations on building, be able to work with private companies, because there's a lot of private companies that would love to build, you know, a McDonald's facility. I mean, you know, a big for affordable homes, affordable housing. 
Um, I'd like to work with charitable groups. I was just recently down a couple of weeks ago um, uh, at the um, uh, facility that they have down uh, downtown. And it was wonderful, but they have other buildings they want to be able to build at, and they can't do it because there's so many regulations at the Salvation Army. Sorry, at the Salvation Army down there, wonderful organization does great groups. There's church groups that be able to want to be able to assist. But I think, on the other hand, just the other day I went to Venice Beach just to kind of see. Got my bike, drove down there, rode my bike down. We have to clean those places up. We have to provide some place for those people to go, whether it's an open field out someplace, or if you've noticed at the uh, uh, veterans facility, uh, there's these big open fields and a lot of places there. We have to be able to get them off there. It's just not fair. Venice Beach is destroyed. Um, so are you suggesting that those people would camp in some of these open fields? So, so we're going to find some place if they're going to be camping. They can climb. They're destroying Venice Beach. They're destroying all the businesses down there. They don't need to be there. The crime rate is going up. There was just another murder. I think it was yesterday. Uh, another murder, and it's mostly homeless on homeless murders. Um, we have to. We we can't have that in our streets. Uh, we have to clean that up. But then also we have to provide. Here's a place where you can go. Wherever it may be, we can find some open land. This is where you can pitch your tent, not right down there in the center. So the businesses can, you know, open up. People can go enjoy our wonderful Southern California, you know. Political fundraising is a reflection of donor confidence and whether a candidate uh, can win. Mm -hmm. Your Republican rivals, John Cox, has put more than $7 million into his campaign. Kevin Faulkner has raised about $2.5 million. The latest figures show you've raised approximately $300,000. It's actually a lot more than that, but yes. Is it? Uh, what is it? Political fundraising is a difficult task, okay, uh, especially coming from the outside. Um, no, we're doing okay, uh, to be honest with you. That's why I'm doing a lot of this type of stuff, to get my message out, exactly. Uh, you're not charging, are you? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> and I'm not getting paid. You know... <laughs> You know, Frank, I've never worked so hard for something in my life and never gotten paid for. And, and that's what this campaign has been, you know. Um, yes, there's a lot. So uh, I'm out there. I'm doing it kind of the hard way. Um, and I have to leave uh, the country for like two weeks because something was on the books a long time ago. And then when I come back, um, I'm going to do a three-week bus tour of the entire state. I'm going to go over to every small little town every day, a different town. We're going to go all the way through it, meet the people, talk, rally, and do it that way. When will that start? Uh, right now, I, I think I get back like August 9th, um, and then it would happen probably right after that, okay. uh, probably the 11th or 12th, somewhere in there. Right. Yeah, but uh, it would take three weeks to go out and meet the people. Final yeah. question here. On July 30th. By the way, most of that money is their own money they're putting into this. So, yeah, it's it's not that they've raised that much. It's their own money. Yeah. Let me ask you about a date in history. July 30th, 1976. Yes. You won a, a gold medal as Bruce Jenner. Mm -hmm. The Tokyo Games are coming up. Right. Do you look upon the Olympics in a nostalgic way, or is there a pain associated with that because you were competing as a man, even though your identity, even then, was as a woman? Uh, not one bit. 
I am very proud of that part of my life. Frank, I've lived such an interesting, interesting, interesting life. Yes, you life. have. Okay? I have what I call the ultimate double, Olympic decathlon champion and glamorous woman of the year. Um, I had a lot of frustrations. I know even the next day after the games were over with, I walked into the bathroom and the medal was sitting there on the counter and I put it on and I looked in the mirror and says, oh my God, what did I just do? Because there was so much more to me than just that, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but that's the only thing people are going to see me for. It was in 1976 is the games. And I'm very happy for that. I'm very proud of what Bruce did, you know. It was a great accomplishment. And I learned a lot about overcoming obstacles and going up against unseemable odds, which I bring to the governorship. I mean, I put it this way in a lot of times. I want to, you know, I went up against the Soviet Union, the greatest athletic machine in the world and all by my little lonesome in San Jose, California, and beat him, you know. This time I want to go to Sacramento, take on the teachers' union, and I want to win for your kids. So there's a lot of fight still left in me. You know, little Bruce still kind of lives down there, you know, and still got a lot of fight in him. But I'm very proud of that moment. I'm proud of my children. I have 10 children, 18 grandchildren. My kids are just great citizens, great business people, just great kids, and they're raising great kids. And I'm very proud of that. So um, here I was at the age of 65, and um, uh, I'm back in Malibu, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm, am I going to just rot here? And um, I decided I have to make some changes in my life. And you know what? Those decisions were the best decisions of my life. But you'll watch the Olympics and will oh, it I take the will Olympics. it will it take of you back? Course. Yes, there were good days. Yeah. We kicked some butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we kicked some butt. Yeah, that's part of my history, and uh, of course I enjoy because you know what I know what it means. Actually, the Olympic trials have been on TV, and boy, I, I was in two. I made it to two Olympics, seventy-two and seventy-six, and. Uh, I just see, you know, they get in the top three and you make it on the team. And I did that twice. First time, never should have. Snuck in third. And I was, like, shocked I was an Olympian. And uh, then the second time, it was a different deal. I was the world record holder, and I just had to make the team. But, yeah, it's, it's great. I, I love the good old U.S. of A. You know, I was the first person to put the flag up at the finish line. Hmm. Nobody had ever done that before. And I was so proud of my country, so proud of what I had just accomplished. This guy throws this flag at me, literally right at the finish line. And I went, oh, what do I, do I put it up? <laughs> I put it up, whole place went crazy. And yeah, I'm very, very proud of that moment. And when you see people at the Olympic podium doing something that some would regard as disrespectful to the flag or not, standing in full or covering their face or holding up a sign or something like that as happened this week. Um, do you have a thought on that? Ticks me off. I'm proud of my country. I'm proud of what I was able to accomplish. Um, I think those, uh, the Olympic Games are the greatest, single most happening in the world. Over 200 nations will come to Tokyo. We only have a little over 150 nations in the UN. 
okay? This is the greatest opportunity for peace, for brotherhood, for great competition, friendly competition, and it should be left that way. I was in the village in 1972 yeah. when Munich. the terrorists came over and took the Israeli athletes, and 11 of them died. Uh, I was I saw one of the terrorists. Mm. It pissed me off so bad. I said, how do you dare come and ruin this wonderful thing called the Olympics and use it for a political tool? And I've always felt that way since. Get up on that podium. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything. And accept your medal and be very happy that you grew up in a country that you could do something like that. Caitlin Jenner, thanks very much. It was great. <laughs> if you'd like to see that conversation with Caitlin Jenner, you can find it online. And if you have any feedback on today's audio podcast, tag me on social media. I'm Frank Buckley TV on Twitter and on Instagram. A new podcast drops every Wednesday, and in August, we're celebrating five years of Frank Buckley interviews. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'll see you on TV.